So today we conclude the series, um, Mission to the Blue Planet. Check this out. This, I picked this up at a Circle K this week. It's a special edition of USA Today, all about our future in space. This is cool. It has entirely too many advertisements, but it's cool. Talking about all kinds of all kinds of stuff. This, the landing of uh, the Curiosity rover on Mars has just really electrified people's um, imaginations and creativity. Now, some people are like, "Yeah, whatever. It's a dune buggy." Um, but uh, you know, the just the amount of engineering uh, that went into this uh, is just mind blowing, unbelievable. One of the, I mean, this. Uh, What's, what's, gonna, what's happening um, and what this uh, exploration is going to produce is going to be amazing. Uh, but the theory that intrigues me the most, and like I said, it's, it's, I'm not sure this will ever happen, but it just is crazy for me to think about. It's crazy for me to think about that um, there is a possibility that humans could colonize Mars. That's just a trip, just to think about. That's so weird. And one of the ways they say that we may be able to colonize Mars is by doing something called terraforming. Like I said, I'm not sure this is ever going to happen. Sounds like science fiction. But some pretty smart people think about it, and they're saying that theoretically it's possible that if we could warm the surface of Mars just a few degrees, melt the polar ice caps, and you get running or flowing water again on the surface. Um, there's a rich carbon dioxide, uh, carbon dioxide rich um, atmosphere there. So once you get water flowing, the idea is you could plant, uh, start with small plants, mosses, and then ultimately get it to the point where you get trees. Now trees breathe in carbon dioxide and breathe out oxygen, right? So they're saying if you did that for long enough, you could significantly change the atmosphere so that human beings could possibly live there. That would be so trippy. Now, I don't, like I said, I don't know if that will ever happen or not, but I, I just find it amazing. find it absolutely amazing. So I'm tracking, I'm, I'm trying to keep track of what Curiosity Rover is up to, what they're doing. I'm a nerd like that. I admit that. I'm cool most other days, but about space, I'm a nerd think space is cool. Oh, I forgot. I brought you the picture that I was talking about. Chris, can you throw that first picture up? Yeah. I don't think the Curiosity took this picture, but this is from the surface of Mars. I think it was one of the other rovers that took this. That is Earth from the vantage point of Mars. Pretty crazy, huh? If you think it's not cool, just bear with me. I'll stop being a nerd in a second. But that's just amazing. That's just amazing. So I, I, got, I hopped on NASA's website this week. I wanted to get my Curiosity rover update. And I did. And you know what Curiosity did this week? Touched a rock. <laughs> Touched a rock. What do I do with my outline? <laughs> Touched a rock. Here. That's the picture. It's testing out its mechanical arm. Now, on the end of that mechanical arm, you see it's, it, uh, there's like a cylinder that's running here. 
and it spins. So it has all these different scientific instrumentation on there. So it found a football-sized rock, which um, consequently is named Jake Matejevich. Um, Jake was a, uh, um, an engineer, I believe he's an engineer with NASA that uh, was instrumental in this project, and he died. He passed away um, shortly after the Curiosity landed. So they found a football, about a football-sized rock. They named it Jake. They roved to it. They see me roving. They hating. <laughs> and it reached out with his mechanical arm and touched the rock. I was like, wah, wah, wah. Really, that's all you're doing? You're touching a rock. Touching a rock. In fact, um, show the next picture. This is an up-close look. I think then it blasted the rock with a laser. Now, that's pretty cool. It does. It has a laser on a thing. It can, it can blow stuff up. It doesn't because NASA doesn't do cool stuff like that. But I think it, it, that's where it um, conducted some of its tests, checking about the mineral composition of the, of the rocks and all that kind of stuff. So you can see that up close. So that, was my, that wasn't very exciting, but that was my rover update for this week. Um, so then uh, Curiosity roved on. It's making its way uh, out. And what it did next was completely disturbing to me. Show the next photo. This is what Curiosity did next. Curiosity killed the cat. <laughs> oh. If you got your Bible, open it up to the book of Mark, chapter 4. You can put on the next page. Mark, chapter 4. Uh, for me, this was uh, an anticlimactic week when, I mean, it's just kind of a boring week as far as the rover goes. I'm thinking to myself, when are we going to get to the cool stuff? I want some cool stuff. But, I mean, I guess this is cool, but... I was just wanting a little more inspiration this week. I got to be honest with you. There's been times in my life as a follower of Jesus that I've felt the same way. That I've experienced the same kind of just let down feelings when life or situations, things just didn't live up to my expectations or my hopes. I just didn't. I mean, Jesus said, uh, in fact, throw that. Can you throw the first quote from the first week it's up there? Yeah. I don't think Jesus was an alien from another planet, but um, he certainly was a higher intelligence that visited this world on a mission. He said, the time has come and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And repent, um, the word metanoia in Greek, he's, he's saying, change the entire way you view reality. These are big words, big mission. There are times in life for me where I just feel let down on the journey. Because it's like, when are we going to get to the cool stuff? If Jesus is on mission here in the world to transform, transform this world, why is it taking so long? When's the cool stuff actually going to happen? Why don't things seem to be working out? Why does it oftentimes just seem like business as usual? I think Jesus' first followers felt the same way, probably had some of the same questions. 
They had certain expectations that Jesus just wasn't living up to. I'm, I'm glad that Jesus didn't get mad about it. And I think it's because of that that he let them in on a secret, a secret of the kingdom. He let them in on a, on a secret that's so important about his mission and about the kingdom of God. That the kingdom of God is currently hidden in the seemingly small and insignificant. The kingdom of God is currently hidden in the seemingly small and insignificant. Listen to these words of Jesus. He said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable can we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you can plant in the ground. Yet, when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. Let's pray for a moment. Lord, enlighten our hearts and our minds this morning. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. Speak to us this morning. Help me as I minister this text. In the name of Jesus, amen. The kingdom of God is currently hidden in the seemingly small and insignificant. The kingdom of God is currently hidden in the seemingly small and insignificant. Some of you will remember that um, as I began this series, I said one of, one of the dreams of my life would be to be able to travel into space. I mean, how many of you guys would think that would be pretty, pretty cool to get the chance? I mean, as like, I don't know, I went through an astronaut phase as a kid. Some people still think I'm a space case today. But that would just be so awesome. Just, just one orb, orbit around the earth, you know? Just one orbit. That would just be incredible. You know what I found out this week? This is so awesome. Space tourism is scheduled to begin next year. The end of 2013, Virgin Galactic um, will be uh, sending their first person into space. Did you know this? I read this, this in here. Dang, where'd it go? There are eight. I, I had no idea. You're, you're about to have your mind blown. You ready for a mind grenade? There are eight licensed, ready-to-go space ports in the United States. Did you know that? Eight space ports. Eight. There's one in Lompoc, California. Uh, that's one of the closer ones to us now. And there's one in uh, New Mexico. I mean, they're licensed with launch capability. They're, like, ready to do this thing. 
there are also other companies besides Virgin Galactic that are going to be sending people into space as tourists. First, the rides are going to last about five minutes. Um, but the, it's on schedule so that uh, these tours will turn into hours and days. And there's a Russian company that is going to uh, send people into space. And one of the options is to do um, is to take a lap around the moon. Yeah. No, isn't that cool, though? I mean, I would do this if I die. Awesome. Talk about going out with your boots on. People will, space boots. <laughs> People will tell stories about me dying. That's just awesome. So I'm thinking, I want to do this. That would be cool. It's going to be really expensive at first. Like half million dollars expensive. But the price is going to come down. It will come down. Think about it like this. When airplanes, when, when people first started flying in airplanes, the only people that could do it were the ultra-rich, right? That was the same with trains, planes, and automobiles. But eventually, this is going to get affordable. I asked Julie, in all seriousness, two days ago, would you go to space with me? She took a deep breath and said, Yes, I will. <laughs> just, just experience the weightlessness and look out my spaceport window. Just be so cool. The problem is I'm trying to figure out how I am. I mean, the price is going to come down, but it's not going to be, you don't want to do this in my lifetime. It's going to be expensive, though. Where am I going to get the money? That's where you come in. That's where you, I need everybody actually do this. Dig in your pockets real quick. No, seriously. Get into your pockets. I need everybody to produce what you have. Go ahead and do it. You have nothing? You're empty? I need at least 70 cents. What do I do with that $20 bill? I told Rob. Quarter. I seriously lost that 20. Oh, there it is. Okay. So what do we got? 25 cents. It's a good start. Oh, I need at least. All right. Oh, I got it. Never mind. But hold yours in your hand. Okay. If you got change, if you were going to help me out, just hold it in your hand. Because I was thinking about this this week. I want you to remember this. That when Jesus is talking to these people uh, that he was talking to in this parable, seed was roughly equivalent to money, right? Because this was an agrarian society, which meant that lots of people were farmers. Lots of people made their living growing crops. And so a farmer, I mean, you if you plant seeds, it's just purely recreational. Maybe to have a garden or some flowers or something. But a farmer is going to look at seeds... Um, with a, with a view towards economics. Seed costs a certain amount. Seed planted, that's going to produce, right? So Jesus is talking to people in, in a way that is more reflective of economics than just recreational gardening. So I got to thinking about it, and this might be an idea of how this parable works for us. 
I got 75 cents here that you guys graciously donated. What if I could turn this 75 cents into the money I need to go into space? Wouldn't it? Now, you're under 25, so I want you to listen really close to what I'm going to say. In fact, everybody who's under 25, or 25 or under, I really want you to really listen to what I'm going to say. This is really going to help you. All right? Those of us who are older, still listen. <laughs> if I could come up with this every day, 70 cents. All I need is about 70 cents. Every day, if I could come up with 70 cents. And say I did that this month. So that when I collected all of that, I turned the 70 cents into 20 bucks. Okay? Tracking with me so far? I take the 20 bucks and I go get, I invest it in a mutual fund. Right? Now pay attention, Slick. You're going to need to know what I'm telling you. Because it's about to get crazy on you. I invest it in a mutual fund. Right? So I'm, I'm investing it in the stock market. If I keep doing that, and I never do more than just 20 bucks a month, I put it in that mutual fund. Just $20 a month. Just this a day. And I do that, and I don't, don't worry about it. If 40 years from now, 40 years from now, if that mutual fund earns 13% interest, this turns into $245,944.65. Almost a quarter of a million dollars. Thank you. I know. Now, when I first had somebody explain how compound interest works to me, I was like, yeah, whatever. I was somebody wanting to get me to invest for my retirement when I was in my early 20s. And he's like, okay, so if you put away this, you can have $2 million by the time you retire. I'm like, whatever. So, don't whatever me. Check this one out. Same scenario. Now, say that the stocks I pick or the mutual fund I invest in does a little better. Say it earns 18% interest. This turns into $1,014,178.69. Who's 25 in here? So, Nick, if you did that, if you did that, when you're 65, you'd be a millionaire. How many guys would say that, honestly, you waste 20 bucks a month? I mean... How many guys think you could actually look on the ground and find 70 cents a day? Or collect cans? Do you know what you, do you, know what you could do with a million dollars like that? Check this one out. $1,014,178.69. Say I invested that in the stock market. Just for one year. And I, do, I wasn't doing anything really risky. I just wanted 5% interest. Do you know what that does? The interest on that much money equals $50,708.93 a year in interest. 
never depleting your principal. The initial million dollars stays a million dollars and you get $50,000 a year for doing nothing. That's my kind of living. That's $4,225.74 a month that you don't have to work for. Are you listening, Slick? I just gave I just gave you the tool. I gave you an idea that can make you a millionaire. And this is not this is not space far out space case stuff. This is just this is pretty simple. This this seems insignificant, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem small, simple, insignificant? I throw pennies away sometimes. Yeah, you never do that, right? But sometimes, like, if a penny is in a drawer with a bunch of mess, I'm going to throw it away. It's like, ah, it's just a penny. You would never do that. But small, seemingly insignificant, turns out to be able to bring, to be life-changing, world-changing. If you will just give me 70 cents, Every day for the next 40 years, I'm going to space. Do you see how it works? That's what Jesus is saying. That currently the kingdom of God is hidden in the seemingly small and insignificant. Currently the kingdom of God is hidden in the seemingly small and insignificant. Like a mustard seed or like some pocket change. Now it doesn't look like much. But what comes later, what comes later is mind-blowing. I think Jesus is encouraging us uh, in, uh, in a number of ways here. But I think that, that this idea suggests some things for us. In response to this, I think one of the things that I need to do is first, I need to think small. I need to think small. That's totally countercultural, isn't it? Because, you know, everything in our culture says, think big. Dream big, think big, big. Big is always, you know, bigger, better, newer. And Jesus is suggesting that I ought to think small. This is hard for me. Thinking small, I don't know why. I guess it's just cultural and my personality or whatever, but thinking small is hard for me. I think about the big picture a lot. In fact, I'm pretty convinced I think about the big picture a little too much because I'm always filled with anxiety about it. I worry about it. Sometimes when I think about the big picture, about my inadequacy to, to accomplish whatever it is, you know, that I think I need to, I get overwhelmed. You probably have experienced that too. You look at the big picture and you get overwhelmed. You're filled, filled with fear. Sometimes when I think about the big picture a, a lot, I get paralyzed. You know what I mean? I get so filled with fear and insecurity that I, that 
I don't know what to do. I have those days where it's like, uh, why even get dressed? Because today I don't feel like doing anything. <laughs> All right? You probably had days like that. You probably experienced that. I think we need to look at the big picture sometimes. I think that's important. Some of us would benefit by looking at it, you know, at all. But, but I think that when we look at the big picture too much, um, it's counterproductive. It doesn't help us. It's this idea of the kingdom of God and following Jesus is, is kind of simple. It's waking up in the morning and praying, Lord, where are you at work today? How can I join you in what you're doing today? It's thinking small enough to actually look at the people that surround you in life. To build relationships with the people right in front of you. You know how easy it is just to miss life? It's happening all the time and it's so easy just to miss it because we're preoccupied with whatever. Jesus said the kingdom of God is here and it is at work. It's not everything that it will be one day, but if you want to if you want to see it, if you want to see what God's up to, sometimes you got to think small. Jesus suggests I think that we ought to think small and we ought to do small. Do small. Do the little stuff. If you're a follower of Jesus, do the little stuff. There really is no substitute for just the little stuff. We can all do the little stuff, especially when it comes to planting the seeds of the kingdom of God in our world, on our jobs, in our families, our neighborhoods. You remember this? This was, I think, from the second week. Chris, can you bring up the plant slide? Here's the little stuff that I think any, any of us can do. Pray for people around you. Yeah. Pray for them. Love people with your actions, not just with words, but love people. What does that mean? It means selflessly doing things to benefit uh, selflessly doing things to benefit the other person without doing that for, uh, you know, for your own personal gain. Love people. Love the people that are right in front of you. You know what I mean? Sometimes we, get, as Christians, we're like, okay, we're going to love people out there, but the people out there have no faces. They have no names. We don't know who they are, and so we're hypothetically going to love them. I, I, I've done that. But just doing life in such a way that you can see the people that are right around you, the ones that have names, the ones that have faces, the ones that can be annoying, the ones that invade your personal space sometimes and have bad breath. Seeing those people, you can do that. And little things matter. You know, emptying a coworker's trash can. Little things. Giving a crazy woman a ride. 
I'm glad you're alive, dude. <laughs> Just seeing, you know. That's what I love about what Rob said, though, because he went up to the Vermilion Cliffs to actually live in now, to live in the moment, you know, because the only time he was going to see the condors take flight was going to be in that moment. And you've experienced those moments, haven't you? Those moments in life where you're like, okay, where you're not preoccupied with the future or with the past, when you're not living in fear about what's going to be in the future or regret about stuff in the past where you're actually right now and okay. You know, Jesus is saying, I think, suggesting that maybe we can think small enough to remember the people that are right in front of us in our week and do loving things for them. Ask to share your story. If, you know, if the opportunity comes up, not, don't shove the Bible down people's throat. Don't got to beat people up with the Bible. That's just silly. You know? But as you love people, you know, people get curious. They want to know what your deal is at some point. Share your story. Ask them, well, I can, would you mind if I shared? Share your story. If you're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, you have a story. Invite people. Uh, ladies, invite a, invite. A woman to this thing uh, we have coming up on Saturday. Invite them, bring them. You know, build relationships with them. Stay with them, hang out with them. Invite them back. It's little stuff. This is simple. And T, trust God for the results. This is God's show. He's going to win. It's all going to be okay. And it's not on us. It's really not up to us to change the world. God's got that covered. I mean, he's, he's pretty competent, I think. You know, pretty competent. You guys got to look through telescopes. I heard you guys got to see, what is it, an exploding nebula or something? How many light years across was that thing? 26,000 light years across. Okay, nobody in this room understood what that means, including me. Light travels 186,000 miles per second. How far does it go in a year? That's crazy. And 26,000 light years across, you saw it in a telescope. And the star exploded when? How many years ago? They, somebody discovered it in the, in the 1600s. God's huge. He's infinitely creative. And just, he, he can, he's got this covered. He just wants us to be a colony of heaven until heaven fully arrives. He's got it covered. We can trust him. Think about this. If three quarters potentially could get me into space, what do you think the seeds of the kingdom of God are going to do? Kingdom of God now is currently hidden in the seemingly small and insignificant. But there's a big finish coming. A big finish coming. Don't forget it. Plant the seeds. Stand with me. Here's the change for whoever gave it to me. Let's pray.
Lord, thank you for letting us, some of us, get to witness a, an exploding nebula that's 26,000 light years across. You are just, you're immense. You're just so much bigger than anything I could ever imagine. You have resources that I couldn't imagine. You have ideas. Your power, I mean, you just, sometimes I forget who you are. And I forget. It's just, somehow, I have the um, amazing ability to repeatedly somehow envision you just as a nice, friendly old man in the sky who doesn't do much. That's not who you are at all. We find ourselves swept up in a great epic that you love us. You love the people of this world. And you are at work. You're at work every day, all day. You're going to transform this planet. There's great reason for us to hope. Help us, Lord, out of our love for you to plant the seeds of your kingdom, to join you in where you're at work right around us whether that be in a classroom or uh, whether that be in a classroom or an office or a building that's being built. Help us to see the people around us and love them. Not because we're trying to get anything out of them. Just love people. Help us to plant the seeds of your kingdom. Help us not to forget the big finish that's coming. Now, Lord, would you, as we prepare to leave this place this morning, send us out into the world to spread the good news. First, with, by how we live. By who we are. Then by what we do. And then finally by what we say. In the name of Jesus. Amen.